Welcome back to the Repeat Digital podcast, the marketing download. I'm joined today by two from our SEO team, Barney and Meg, and we're going to be talking about an SEO content strategy and how to drive more organic traffic to your business and how to get the most out of your socials. First thing to cover is where do you start when you're looking to build a content strategy? How do you begin? What is the first step? The first step is to plan. Do your research. What do your users want to find? What do your customers want to find? Um, create content that the user will actually want to read. Um, so the first step would be to do your research, have a look in what are the high, high search volume keywords, what are the topics that your customers want to read about, what do they need help with, because people are, people are inherently lazy. Okay, so what sort of resources might you use during that whole research phase? So who, I think depending on the uh, client, depending on the industry you're targeting, you'd have a look at sort of frequently asked FAQs. Where would you find those FAQs? So you can look at things like Ahrefs. You can use uh, just do manual Google searches. Um, you can look at all manner of different tools, so Keyword Planner, SEMrush, uh, so I'd definitely start looking at what competitors are doing, obviously looking at the highest ranking uh, in organic search, because clearly if they're at the top, they're doing something right. So obviously not copying their content, but definitely drawing inspiration from them. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned Answer the Public before. Uh, I always think Answer the Public is a really interesting place to look at some of the research, because you don't really have an idea of keyword search volume, but you get some really interesting questions that come out of that. And you can really start to be guided on, on what you should potentially create content based on, whether it be question based or um, or not. And and then I suppose you can take those seed ideas and feed them into Ahrefs, and then dive into what actually has search volume, uh, and whether it's something you really want to be targeting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with answer to the public, you do get a mixture of results, some useful, some not so useful. Some more entertaining than others. Yeah. My, my favorite one when doing uh, some research for an air conditioning client was uh, one, one topic that got thrown up by the public was, is air conditioning just domesticated wind? And it's changed my outlook <laughs> on air conditioning ever since. I mean, they're technically not wrong. No, I can't remember what the content I did was, but I can remember that air conditioning isn't des um, is domesticated wind. That is a funny uh, way to phrase it. So we've covered how to begin with building a content strategy and, and where to potentially start. But then we're always talking about content pillars. But what is a content pillar and how would you use that? Your content pillars are the sort of fundamental themes of your brand and what you represent. So for instance, with Repeat Digital, um, we focus on PPC, SEO, uh, digital marketing as a whole. Those are our fundamental pillars of our brand. I mean, obviously you can delve into PPC, there are more sort of subsections, you can delve in deeper with it, but fundamentally. That's your foundation of your content? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you wanna make sure your content is, is linked to those pillars You'll have some content that's not necessarily linked to those. And, and again, you might target your overarching theme in our case, digital marketing. Or you sometimes might do just some content that isn't particularly relevant to that. But I suppose from an SEO perspective, it's always about how do you refer back to and, and link to your themes and, uh, and those content pillars, right? Absolutely. 
So obviously those are going to be your sort of bread and butter keywords and you want to make sure that all of your pages on your site that are linked, that are sort of surrounding those topics um, are keyword optimised so that um, they demonstrate user intent and people are searching for them. Yeah, and uh, just adding on to that from an SEO point of view, the more content you have dedicated towards uh, a certain subject, then the more likely you are to rank for that subject. Um, and it all just sort of ties in with sort of more traditional marketing as well as an SEO content marketing strategy. Okay, so we've got an idea of content pillars and now you've got an idea of uh, some of the content that you'd like to create. But ultimately, how do you then find those topics that fit your audience? So there's multiple ways you can do this. If you already have, let's say you've taken on a client and it has some existing content, my first sort of port of call would be to have a look at your Google Analytics profile. What um, out of your existing pieces of content um, are already doing well? And then from there, find what you're good at, find what's getting searches, because that is you can do all the keyword research in the world, but if you've got the physical data that tells you this article gets views, why not base the rest of your content on that or on related subjects? Um, and that sort of builds into a more overarching content marketing strategy is you've got one piece of successful content, make another one related to that. And then any sort of traffic you get on one piece, you can, if they're linked together, people will be able to find the other piece and they sort of work in tandem to uh, promote each other. Yeah, okay. Okay, so that's a really good point. And that actually feeds in really nicely to the next topic, which is content optimization and particularly content structure. So how would you theme and structure your content? So my first thing to do would be, you make a plan of the content. Don't just produce content for the sake of content, have a plan, have a goal. So the way you do this is you could have, put it all into a spreadsheet, say, what are your goals? Of each piece of content what are you trying to achieve because once you know what you're trying to achieve you can then make content designed to that goal rather than just making content for the sake of making content so you do all the things we mentioned earlier about your keyword research and things like that um start planning out exactly what you want have a look is the data there is the keyword data there um is there sufficient interest in your um in your piece of content um Having a plan for exactly when you want to publish your content. So obviously choosing it whether you want to produce it monthly or weekly, um, making sure we are getting it out there according to schedule. Also present how you present your content is also so important and making sure it's user friendly. So for instance, thinking which parts you want to bold, how you want to arrange it, um, exactly where you want it on your site and making sure that the interlinks are all in the right place so that you can access it easily. They're just really considering how the user will come across it from them. On mobile and desktop. Yeah, so Super important. I mean, I suppose people build on desktop and think, oh, that looks great on desktop. That works for desktop. But then when you actually look at where your traffic comes from, the majority of it may come from mobile. And then you're lost thinking, oh, it's huge paragraphs. And people just, it's either too long or it just doesn't fit well. So I suppose when you're looking at optimizing your content, how does it look on mobile? And really consider that before you hit publish. Spardy has a very good analogy for this about uh, how you want your con all of your content on your website to be accessible across all devices, like water, your fruity oh, yeah, yeah, of course. analogy. Yeah, um, I quoted Bruce Lee when uh, mentioning about content to Meg in terms of it does need to be formless. It needs to be like water. It needs to fit 
the device it's in. Um, it so yeah, I believe the Bruce was right. If you pour water into a cup, it will be like a cup. If you pour it in onto a bowl, it will fill the bowl. I'm completely paraphrasing and butchering Bruce Lee's quote here. Um, but the point is, yeah, it will be formless. And so your content should work perfectly on desktop. It will work perfectly on mobile. Um, one thing I did want to just come back on is what you said about timings and planning the dates and things. Is That's really important because it allows you to get on sort of trends and things like that. So obviously Mother's Day is coming up. So if you were you know, marketing anything related to Mother's Day, you'd have planned all that sort of stuff well in advance. Um, and that will enable you to get the best results if you just think the week of Mother's Day, oh, we need to post something quick. You, it's not going to do very well because you've not planned, you've not put the time and effort in. Um, so yeah, you just need to make sure you've got all these sort of things done well in advance. And I think with a lot of content marketing strategies, often social media managers will, will have a social calendar, won't they? They will know all of the events of that year, 12 months in advance mm -hmm. at least. And then they can start planning out their content and their strategy um, for that. When the day comes, they're ready to just press and it's released. Yeah, already to go completely optimized. Yeah, and if the day gets busy, they, they know they've already pre-planned it, maybe scheduled it. So yeah, one other point when optimizing has to involve search intent, right? Yeah. So, Definitely. how do you fit that into the overall strategy? So, if you're working marketing, you're generally going to be aware of the sales funnel. So you've got your sort of research and interest parts at the top of the funnel, all the way down to sort of the converting stage, and then. Creating content that fits in with each of these stages is really important. So making sure you've got content that is for the people who are just in that research phase. They're not actually sure what product or service they need, but they just they're looking to solve a problem. So they might find your your product or service and they're like, oh, that's perfect for our problem, but they didn't know it exists. And how they found that is in the form of like a how-to guide or a how do I fix my whatever is wrong. Um, and then you can then start building things further down the funnel. So once you've got that, oh, they're on your site. So then you start saying how to fix X problem. So here is this product. And you start talking about these products. And then let's say you sell, so we've got a client that does boat lights, for example. If I was them, I would put out a content piece um, on all the different types of boat lights. What's the pros and cons for each? Because eventually when people get so far down the funnel, especially when they're, more expensive purchases people will do their research um so they'll want to know okay well shall i get product a or product b what does product b have that product a doesn't or maybe product c has both of these features but it's twice the price um so these comparison articles are really important and they'll really help you um sort of further build that brand but i suppose going back to when you touched on funnels sometimes in a single article you can take them through the whole journey of that search and how you're addressing them at the research stage and then taking them right the way through so you know that once someone has an answer to one question it will naturally lead them to the next question and the next question and you might find that it really funnels them down in that single article or again you might have various different articles or potentially at the bottom of an article on your site you could have a section dedicated to users also ask this or looking for this. And it could suggest content that then carries on from that to then guide people down that funnel on just a difficult article, a different article rather. Um, so I think uh, on search intent, you can really guide someone in a single site and a single 
pillar within your content rather than them getting the answer and saying, right, back to Google, let's search for this next point and find you that you don't come up from that. There's a um, really good quote from Moz in their, in their SEO guide, which I really like. And it says how SEO is as much about understanding people as it is about understanding search engines themselves. So yeah, completely writing an article like that where you kind of understand what people are exactly going to be looking for in the process of buying something like Vote Lights, exactly the questions that they're going to be asked, that they're going to be asking. So I suppose one of these other areas is is the FAQ section and how it might not be sort of a high search intent, but it might guide the person to answer one question and then say, right now, what's the next question and where else do they go um, and just lead them down the funnel. When you're looking to create your content strategy, you may have content looking to address a variety of different problems or different angles of your particular theme or your pillar. How do you know how much of your content should be SEO focused and driving that piece versus entertainment focused? I think it should depend on the company and the size of the company. So we mentioned sort of beforehand about spec savers, how they don't need to necessarily do SEO as much because everyone knows, you know, you should have gone to spec savers. It's become a recognized brand thing. Um, obviously, that would differ massively if you're a brand new company, uh, you've only just started, then doing that sort of brand awareness thing straight away won't necessarily work. It won't catch on because people don't have that brand awareness. So that is possibly the better time for when you have to go um, go and look at more the SEO side. What's the common queries that are going to be um, searched by your target audience? What do they want to know? Um, so you do find that sort of balance. That being said, the power of social and just jumping on trends. So Meg, I know you mentioned about TikTok and things yeah. like that people like that that's possibly the best example there's always there's new songs and obviously tiktok's influence is mm. so big that these songs that are in trends end up in the charts and sometimes i think they can find themselves going from a relatively unknown position to either creating a trend or catching on to something that they can then elevate their brand awareness to such a great degree and then hopefully try and maintain that sort of that level just like you said there with, with music, people who have entered the charts because they were famous on TikTok. I mean, there's so often that I'm thinking, oh, where have I heard that song? You know, what's the name of that song? And the only time I've ever really heard that song is on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And then later on, you start seeing it in the charts. Go, oh, yeah, of course, it was, it was that meme. And you associate it with a, a certain type of content that people are replicating throughout TikTok. Uh, I mean, I, I'm seeing other channels uh, trying to replicate the TikTok model and be that um, short form videos, very scrollable um, entertainment style. Uh, so I suppose whatever content you're creating, if you're looking to create the entertainment style, you need to be looking to make sure it matches up with the style of the particular platform. You know, TikTok, scrollable, things like that. LinkedIn, it's not so video based, but I know there's a big push for it to become more and more video based. Just, uh, I think, users of that demographic a little bit more unsure of uh, creating video content, whereas I think the youth of today is a lot more comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I think videos have been getting really big last, probably last 10 years, video marketing has really come into its own. Like, obviously, we had about 10 years ago now, Vine, if anyone, anyone remembers oh, Vine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was sort of TikTok 
when there were still issues with data allowances. So I don't think it did as well. Um, That's, I feel like that kind of pioneered quick videos. So yeah. getting all the content you need in a six second video. Like, Yeah, well, YouTube now has a, a huge amount going on. It's YouTube Shorts. There's yeah. a whole section dedicated to Shorts because traditionally YouTube is much longer form content. Um, but yes, yeah, I suppose sort of going back to the SEO side of things, uh, video content is probably more for entertainment uh, unless it's backed up with um, the video and then maybe some some script, I imagine. Yeah, so... Just that focuses on, on what a search engine actually can pick up on. Yeah, so from an SEO side, um, so there's one benefit of videos is obviously having that video and if someone clicks that video on your page, that will lower your bounce rate. Um, whether they watch it all or not is hard to tell. It depends on what platform you're using. So... With YouTube, you're not necessarily going to get that insight, but you can use other systems like Wistia, which are really good from a sort of SEO point of view, um, because that works sort of in parallel with Google Analytics, and it will fire events into your Google Analytics profile to tell you exactly how far through a video people have made. Um, and then you can set up goals based on that as well. So that's really sort of beneficial to use as sort of an SEO-friendly video platform. But the other sort of side of that would also be, like you mentioned, Rob, having transcripts. Um, below that, because that gives you all the keyword opportunities. Having your subtitles in an SRT file um, is another sort of great way of uh, helping uh, get those keywords in there. But as I think we've already touched on, you don't want to optimize for search engines. You want to optimize for humans. And he not all humans will be able to watch a video and listen to it all. They'll want a transcript. They want subtitles. Yeah. So not only are you making your content better for search engines, you're making it better for people in general, which means you know, you're just more likely to perform better. So I suppose in SEO, sometimes it becomes more important for sectors and industries where you're not allowed to market via paid media. Mm -hmm. So, um, for example, sometimes pharmaceuticals is a really big area where you're not allowed to, or supplements can have really difficult parameters. So that increases the importance of SEO, right? Definitely. So, yeah, like you say, there are certain sectors um, which... Yeah, they can't advertise on other channels like mainly others can, um, just purely because of the sort of the rules and laws surrounding those sort of things. So, so yeah, for example, yeah, gambling. Um, a friend of mine used to work at a company that did vaping, and they found a lot of issues trying to advertise on there. So SEO and sort of general content creation really helped them. Um, so yeah, it's good to have those sort of other avenues available. Um, when you can't use you know, your more traditional marketing. Yeah, and I think you'll pull that out when you're completing a, a thorough marketing strategy and assessing that, right, if we're doing something online and we're really trying to drive that, SEO is really king here. Naturally, it increases the competition. Uh, and so you might have to try and just go for some of the less competitive terms. And again, that might be where question-based terms come into play and you start getting some traffic for that. So we touched on social media and SEO. Does social content affect SEO? Yeah, it definitely affects it. So even though there's no direct link, um, so obviously the content that you're producing across your social media platforms are, of course, going to be influential to your organic traffic. So producing regular content is going to be increasing your brand awareness, um, sort of showing, helping to show that you're a reputable brand. Um, it's an opportunity for you to show people what you're about and um, the kind of product that, you're, that you offer. So I suppose the first time they come across your brand might be on social 
but then they might see it again, again, and then they might start to search for you organically. Yeah. So they'd say, what is it? You need to have six touch points for company before you can start interacting with them. So that can be on social, that can be through your SEO content. If they're finding, you know, your your content that's relevant to their queries and then they've also seen you on social and maybe you've got some ads up as well so all these different things that you that so that's just three then we're missing another three potential touch points so maybe you've seen them they've done a meme on twitter or something like that friends talked about them friends talked about them all these other different things yeah so it's yeah it's really beneficial i suppose one of the types of content that is really increasing in use on social media platforms is your, your selfies. You're, and you know, it's not very polished, the content, but it's more real and people are wanting to see what is more real. And I suppose it's this push away from filters because there's so many filters out there. And often a lot of these creators are saying, this is the unfiltered view of, of my life or, or whatever it is. Uh, so I think a lot of that content can be more natural and that can potentially perform a lot better. Yeah, so I think, you. I mean, you see it with ads more and more nowadays as well, don't you? It is more user-generated content. People like interacting with people. They don't like interacting with brands. And I think the same thing with when you do sort of posts on LinkedIn, your personal profile will almost always do better than if you post it onto a, a company profile, won't it? It's um, people want to interact with people. They- so I think that brings us to a nice close. Uh, thank you. Barney and Meg, I think we've gone over a lot of uh, how we can get the most out of a content strategy and and how it can really lean towards supporting your SEO and and also how it can be well integrated into your socials. So, yeah, thank you for that. And uh, I hope you enjoyed being part of the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah, no worries. And uh, we'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you.